Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen. This is going to be my first video podcast. You can find me on YouTube and Rumble, as well as on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. This is episode 49, uh, The Bible is Scientifically True. So last time we had covered the scientific thought that's in the Bible, the idea of seeking truth, the love of learning, order and logic, the five senses uh, being used to test theories and such, and all of these are biblical models. Then we discussed the scientific theories of uh, the law of biogenesis, the, the fact that the earth is round, the second law of thermodynamics. So it was all very... Uh, basic science, you know, that um, people just did not know were in the Bible. Well, today we're going to be discussing specific uh, scientific discoveries and the people who discovered them thousands of years after the Bible already said it. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So let's get started. The first one, which is one of my favorites, is the ocean currents. If you read Psalm 8, uh, verse 4 through 8, it says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. Paths there indicated actual steady currents within the water, for animals to move on, like roads. Now, this was written approximately 1400 BC. Matthew Morey, in 1831, discovered the ocean currents due to the, this Bible passage. It actually caused him to research it. And if you look at um, the actual monument they have to Matthew Murray in the state of Virginia, in his memory, it says, Matthew Fontaine Murray, Pathfinder of the Seas, the genius who first snatched from the oceans and atmosphere the secret of their laws. His inspiration, Holy Writ, Psalm 8.8, Ecclesiastes 1.6. So the Bible said it in about 1400 BC, and science confirmed it in the 1800s AD. So over 3,000 years later. Now that one's pretty insane. And here's the thing. We still use those ocean currents, the paths that he found to this day for ocean liners, naval vessels, etc. And that was because of that verse, paths in the sea that nobody really thought of before were actual roads in the oceans. Pretty cool. I like that one a lot uh, specifically because the discoverer of it cited scripture as the reason for, for why he found it. In Job thirty-eight nineteen, it says, where is the way where light dwelleth? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Well, way is the Hebrew word derek, which is course of life or mode of action, a journey, a manner, or a pathway. Now, Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. He mentions there that light moves in a manner unlike normal physical objects. And we discovered later that light is actually a particle wave photon. Now, the concept of the photon originated in 1690 with Christian Huygens, 
And then in 1905, it was solidified by Albert Einstein. Prior to that, light was always considered to be a constant stream of particles. So the Bible said it in the oldest book of Job, early 3000s to late 2000s, and science proved it in the 1900s. That one's pretty crazy. In regards to uh, general uh, medicinal practices, would be the idea that we need to quarantine infectious diseases. So Leviticus 13 and 14 really talks about that, and that was written approximately 1440 BC after the exodus from Egypt. But the practice of quarantine as we know it did not begin until the 14th century in an effort to protect coastal cities from plague epidemics. Ships arriving in Venice from infected ports were required to sit at anchor for 40 days before landing. This practice called quarantine was derived from the Italian words quaranta and giorni, which means 40 days. So the Bible wrote it, 1440 BC, telling people basically about viruses and the fact that you have to let them die out and stay away from people who have them or objects that have touched them. And we didn't actually start learning about this until the 14th century. Here's another cool one, the stars. The number of them. Now, prior to uh, the invention of the telescope, especially the Hubble telescope and stuff, people counted the stars and to the naked eye, there's about 3,000 visible stars in any portion of the world that you're in. So the Southern Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere, you can maybe get up to 6,000 stars with the naked eye, right? Well, in ancient times, people believed that's all there was. And it wasn't until around the time of Galileo in the 1560s, well, he was born in 1560s, uh, so it was closer to the 1600s, that due to the invention of the telescope, he was able to prove there were about 30,000 stars. And that was the prevailing scientific opinion. Now, of course, with all the different telescopes we have, we know the Milky Way galaxy has over 200 million stars, and there are thousands, if not millions, of other galaxies so there's some scientific estimates that there are 10 to the 22nd power number of stars in the universe. That's just, that's crazy. But the Bible actually mentioned it in Jeremiah 33:22. It says, as the host of heaven cannot be numbered, neither the sand of the sea measured. So will I multiply the seed of David, my servant and the Levites that minister unto me. So at that time, when he wrote that the host of heaven could be numbered they thought there was only about 3,000 stars. He got word from God, no, it can't be numbered. And now we know that it actually, we have no idea how many stars there are. It's so big of a number that we can only estimate it. Another cool thing is that every star is different. 1 Corinthians 15, 41 says, there is one glory of the sun and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. Psalm 147.4 says, He telleth the number of the stars, he calleth them all by names. Now with the naked eye, almost all stars look the same, just white points of light, right? But we have found out that every star has a unique signature and composition. They are unique and they can be differentiated from each other. Which is very strange because 1 Corinthians was written in like the first century and nobody imagined that back then. So we have spectroscopy, which is the study of the wavelengths of light that objects emit. In 1937, the first radio telescope was built to de detect invisible radiation from stars. And that's when we started realizing that every star was different. 
Then in 1961, the first gamma ray telescope was launched, the first infrared telescope in 1983, and microwave emissions were first studied from space in 1992. And in 1990, the first space-based telescope, the Hubble Space Telescope, was launched, providing the deepest, most detailed visible light view of the universe. And we have proved 1 Corinthians 14, 41, or 15, 41, that every star is different from the others. Another one is the wind currents. So Ecclesiastes 1, 1 verse 6 says, the wind goeth toward the south and turneth about unto the north. It whirleth about continually and the wind returneth again according to his circuits. So this was written about 931 BC that the wind has circuits that it moves upon. It was discovered in the early 1500s that these trade winds can be used for pushing boats across oceans instead of blind luck just hoping for a wind current to hit you or for the wind to blow that day. We actually have mapped currents of the winds that we use again to this day. So the Bible is full of scientific knowledge and facts. If you actually read the words and consider that they are divinely inspired by God, each word actually is true. And when it said the wind returns according to his circuits, that means it has a circular path that it goes upon in three-dimensional space. Well, if you look at that and you believe that that's from God, then you can begin to discover scientific truths about our world and our universe. Here's another one regarding the wind. The wind actually has weight. This was stated about 2000 BC in the book of Job 28 verse 23 through 25. God understandeth the way thereof and he knoweth the place thereof for he looketh to the ends of the earth and seeth under the whole heaven to make the weight for the winds and he weigheth the waters by measure. Now previously to that people literally thought the wind was weightless. Air is weightless. There's nothing to it. But in 1644 Evangelista Torricelli discovered it doing experiments with barometric pressure and density altitude and mercury. And he actually hypothesized that wind had weight to it. And then he was able to prove it by going up in different altitudes and proving that with the change in barometric pressure. So it's very interesting that it was 3,600 years later after the book of Job that scientists actually started looking at air and molecules. Another one is the hydrologic water cycle. And that's found in Ecclesiastes one verse seven, all the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full unto the place from whence the rivers come thither. They return again. That was written by Solomon around 930 BC. So the first published thinker to assert that rainfall alone was sufficient for the maintenance of rivers was Bernard Palissy, who is often credited as the discoverer of the modern theory of the water cycle, although some ancients in 300 BC may have stumbled on it without actually writing something scientific about it. So we have Aristotle had actually mentioned some things about the rainfall. But if you do take that, you know, 300 to 400 BC, Solomon wrote this in 930 BC. So we're talking 500 years before anyone even conceived of the notion of a water cycle. There's just so much in here. I'm just going to cover a couple more and then I'll just rattle off a few of the Bible verses for you. But 
the Bible, while not claiming to be a book of science, is full of scientific fact long before, quote unquote, scientists actually discovered it. So here's a cool one uh, regarding insects. Ants actually harvest grain found in Proverbs 6. It says, uh, verse 6, go to the ant thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Now, this was written approximately 930 BC. It wasn't until 1747 uh, when Gould began discovering the ants. And it wasn't until the early 1800s that they proved this, that ants actually gather food for harvest. So in 1802, Latrille, and in 1810, Huber and other early entomologists of the modern era began to study ants. They saw no evidence of harvesting. Check this out. And consequently, they denied the report from the Bible that ants actually harvest. So the scientific theory of the time in the 1700s and 1800s was, no, the Bible's wrong. Ants don't harvest grain. Then in India, Sykes in 1835 observed ants bringing rain-soaked grass seeds out of the nest and placing them on the grass to dry. In 1854, a man named Jordan confirmed this and he saw the workers of three different species collecting seeds from different plants and storing them in their underground nests. 1854, 1835, if you go back to the earliest. Prior to that, people said the Bible was wrong. The Bible said it in 930 BC. Science denied it in 1747. And then in the 1800s, oops, science was wrong. The Bible was right. Now, I'm going to read through a, a few quick ones for you. Jot them down if you want. I'm really not going to go into them unless you email me and ask for more specifics on this. But uh, cleaning with running water in medicine. Okay, Late 1800s is when that was discovered by Louis Pasteur and a doctor named Koch. However, Leviticus 15.13 said to clean with running water in 1490 BC. Uh, here's another cool one from Proverbs 17 verse 22. Written about 900 BC, laughter actually induces healing. That one's interesting. Um, the biology of a woman, eggs carry DNA. From the early 1900s is when that was first discovered. However, Genesis 3.15 talks about a woman possessing the seed of life. The biology of newborns didn't discover until 1935 about coagulation of the blood in newborn babies by day seven. The Bible talked about it in Genesis 1712, about 1430 BC. This one's a big one, the topography of the ocean floor, the fact that it has great mountain ranges, deep trenches, volcanoes, valleys, and plateaus, written in the Bible in both Samuel and Job, Job 38, 16, 2 Samuel 22, 16, and yet we didn't discover it until 1873. People thought the ocean floors were flat, sandy beaches, basically. Genesis 7:11 talks about the hydrothermal vents that are found in the bottom of the ocean. Uh, there was a prediction of a television-like object in Matthew 24:30 and Revelation 11:9 through 11. The fact that the whole world can watch historical events happen live while it's happening around the world. So that was predicted in two places in the Bible. The idea that blood circulation is the key factor in physical life is in Leviticus 17.11. That was not discovered until 16.16 by William Harvey. 
One of the big ones here is atoms are held together by God. Colossians 1.15 through 17, it says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things. And by him all things consist. So again, the Bible is inspired, it's inerrant, every word is from God himself. So that word consist actually means to set together or to be composed of. Now, if you think about science, it all comes down to molecules and atoms, right? Atom being the smallest made up of protons, neutrons, and electrons. And I know there's quarks and other things below that, but the basic essence of science is atoms are what make up molecules and molecules make up everything that we see, right? So nobody knows what actually holds those together. Now they'll tell you that the molecules are held together by chemical bonds, the ionic or covalent bonds that hold compounded atoms together. But atoms themselves are made from electrons with a negative charge flowing around the outside of the atom. The nucleus is made up of protons with a positive charge and neutrons. They should actually cling together and collapse in upon themselves. So basically, Everything that is made out of atoms, which is everything in the universe, should collapse in on itself and just explode. Nobody knows what keeps them apart. Colossians was written in about 62 AD by Paul. To this day, we have no explanation for what holds atoms together, what makes them consist. Other than that, they work that way because that's the way electrons move. The electrons moving is what keeps them apart you know, the positive and negative charge. And, you know, they're just moving fast enough. We don't know what makes them move. We don't know really why they don't slow down. We don't know why they're, they're not attracted to that nucleus. But the Bible said it, that Jesus holds everything together. That's pretty crazy. Now, if you look at a whole nother scientific uh, theory, which would be the laws of probability, that's prophecies, okay? The proof of prophecy. No other religion has as many prophecies that have been fulfilled like the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament. There's over 300 prophecies that were fulfilled to the letter by Jesus Christ. Now, you'll say, well, couldn't someone just write it down after the fact and then say they were written before? Well, no, because manuscripts have been found that confirm that these various prophecies were written down 400 to 1,000 years before the events actually occurred. Like, scientific evidence of these things written in writing in paper or papyrus and in stone and things like that. The Dead Sea Scrolls, for example, are non-biblical proof. Over 24,000 documents, non-biblical, written down by basically librarians, scholars. These manuscripts were written before Christ was born, 300 BC, and yet Christ actually fulfilled those prophecies. So check this out. The odds of Eight of those prophecies being fulfilled by one person is one in 10 to the 17th power. Basically, if you took enough silver dollars to lay across Texas, the state of Texas, a foot deep, that's the odds that you would be able to find one specific silver dollar by walking out in Texas and reaching down and grabbing one. Okay, the odds are astronomical. But the odds of 48 prophecies fulfilled by one person is one in 10 to the 157th power. That would be finding one electron on an atom in a ball six billion light years across. 
That's impossible. That is statistically impossible. Now, the odds of all 300 prophecies being fulfilled by one person is impossible for science to calculate. That is the definition of a miracle. So science, the law of statistics, proves that the Bible is true. That's crazy that Jesus Christ is God. If you want to talk about science, right? So here's the conclusion. Check this out. The Bible teaches that Christians ought to be scientists. We must seek knowledge, truth, and wisdom, and use our five senses. Every time science contradicts the Bible, the Bible is later proven to be true and science wrong. Hear that again. Every time science contradicts the Bible, the Bible is later proven to be true and science proven to be wrong. Then the last point that I mentioned about the prophecies, scientifically, the prophecies fulfilled by Christ are impossible. They are actual miracles according to science itself. The Bible, while not intended as a science book, has done more for science over the last 2,000 years than any other book by itself. The Bible is scientifically accurate and has proven itself to be a reliable book to learn from. It doesn't matter if you're not religious. The Bible is the most scientifically accurate book over the last 2,000 years that has done more to help science than any other book. And it is indisputable that there are miracles in the Bible in the person of Jesus Christ that have been proven statistically, scientifically, to be accurate. Why would you not read that book, even if you're an atheist? It's freaking amazing. If you have any questions, email me, angrypatriot42 at yahoo.com. I'll be happy to send you an email with you know some of these statistics and things. And until next time, may God bless you all.